0: Hello, and welcome to Vet Club. Uh, It's going to be another episode of Journal Club, and we have a returning guest and a new guest today. So pretty excited to welcome back Dr. Anna Figueredo, um, who's actually chose the articles for today. So if you like this show, it's to her credit. If you don't, it's her fault. Um, so, yep. Yeah, so you chose these articles. Um, and then we also have a special guest today, um, Matt Crawford Jennings. And Matt is a like, 3 minutes away from becoming a veterinarian.
1: Feels like that.
0: 3 minutes away. Um, I think that yeah, you have to leave right after this to go <laughs> to No, so how you know you know exactly how long before how long before you're done?
1: Uh, truthfully, I stopped paying attention to You don't know.
0: That's impressive, actually, that you're just like, eh. It's It's probably because you're going to be sticking around, right? You're not actually leaving. (laughs) Exactly. So um, so Matt has, uh, he uh, earned an internship spot here at Virginia, Maryland. So um, I don't know if it's that we couldn't get rid of him or he couldn't get rid of us. I'm not really sure. But uh, so he will be sick. So maybe he'll be on some future podcasts, too. Um, So thank you for joining us today. So that's uh that's everybody's introductions i think we're otherwise um you know good there um so it's is it time to just like get to it
2: yeah i think so
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: um you're not ready for that fig? So that it's time well to talk right. about the articles. Yeah. So since you picked these, maybe yeah. um, maybe you could give us a little background on why um, yeah. you. P- I guess we could say what the articles are. So the two, yeah. if you. Oh wait, there's something else I wanted to mention. Mm. So we have like nine Twitter followers for the the podcast. Ooh. Yeah, it's really not something we use. That's but awesome. but Topher, uh, anybody who listens knows that Topher, my husband, he does the producing. But what he does is when we were doing journal clubs, he tweets out the articles in advance. Oh. And for this one, uh, the, I guess it would have probably been the Javma article, Um the Javma Twitter account like retweeted it and like really? flagged it, so we had like six hundred views on this on this pot on this uh, tweet. It's called a tweet. The
2: articles that I've now
0: seen. whether or not people figure out it's related to the podcast and listen. Right, so if right. you are listening to this show right now for the first time because of that Javma tweet, like welcome, awesome, thanks, hope you enjoy it. <laughs> no pressure, Anna. Yes. um mm, a little bit. <laughs> so no, it's good. <laughs> but so the two articles that we're going to talk about today, the first one, oh well, whatever order we're going to talk about them. But the Javma article, which is entitled "Resolution of Persistent" pneumothorax by use of blood pleurodesis in a dog after surgical correction of a diaphragmatic hernia. It's a mouthful Mm -hmm. by, um, I'm going to probably butcher the, the name, but Merble et al., And then the other article is in JVAC, um, and it is Retrospective Evaluation of the Use of Autologous Blood Patch Treatment for Persistent pneumothorax in Eight Dogs. Um, And that is Oppenheimer et al. So, um, and let's see, the first one was from what year? 2010. 2010, And then the case series was a little bit later, 2014. yeah. Yeah. So, so, all right. Anna, why, why did you pick these articles?
2: All right. So first of all, you said my name perfectly. Good job. <gasps> Thank See, you. Figure it is it's getting... That's pretty good, right? Yeah, <laughs> perfect.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> I did choose these articles just because I think the autologous blood pleurodesis is a simple, um, fairly simple procedure we can do for the mm-hmm. spontaneous pneumothorax, or even if there's another cause for the pneumothorax. Yeah. If the owner doesn't have money for surgery or CT yeah. and surgery and things like that. Yeah. is something um, cheap that we can do cheaper cheaper right much yeah. cheaper if you because it's probably gonna stay here in the hospital it could be time. cheaper yeah it could be cheaper because yeah. the hospitalization may be longer yeah um and just for people to be aware that it's an option it's an option um, yeah um I, I don't think that at least it took me a while for me to hear about this procedure yeah um and just to make people aware that it's something yeah. you can do
0: yeah, because it's weird. It wouldn't, like, automatic... You know what I think I'll do? Right. <laughs> just I think I'll pour in some in blood there. into yeah. the pleural space. That should fix everything, right? Right.
2: Or even um, even from this articles, I, I didn't notice about other substances you could put in there, like yeah, the chest. Yeah, like, like tetracyclines. Taco or, seasoning. Or, right. <laughs> <laughs> salt. Okay, not
0: that salt one. Salt no, no, not, not anything. You can't just mm-hmm. put anything mm-hmm. in there,
2: but yeah. It was very interesting to yeah. me. I, I knew about the blood, but the other substances are like, well, interesting, we can use more
1: things, yeah. but... In human medicine, I think they try yeah. not in veterinary medicine. All right, Matt,
0: what's 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 your take on this?
1: Uh, you know, the overview. I, I think it's really interesting. I, I heard about this when I was working with a different criticalist in Maryland and mm-hmm. it kind of like blew my mind. Like yeah. you usually want to take things out of the chest, not put things into the chest. Yeah. Um, so I think this is super cool. I, I like being able to have alternative options for treatment plans because mm-hmm. um, the gold standard is not what everyone can do. So it's just kind of nice. To have yeah. Different things in your arsenal.
0: Yeah. And I think that's kind of where. You know, if you look at the first article, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know these folks, and so I haven't talked to them specifically. Um, but my my guess is they were like in a situation where what are we going to do? Things aren't working, and they so start doing a search, and they probably found some stuff in the human literature, and we're like, let's give it a go, you yeah. know, and then. It seemed to work. And so they're like, well, now we have to write this up, which is, you know, the power of a case report. A lot of people kind of poo-poo case reports where they're like, "Man, it doesn't. But, but like, these are the exact kind of things where they can be really, um, they can move things forward, where give people ideas. You're like, look, we tried this thing. We don't have 900 studies and we don't have an N of 10,000 to prove that this is the best thing. But when your back is against the wall and you don't know what else to do, Here's something you can consider. Um, And so, you know, it's not, I don't think coincidental that you have this paper coming out and then a few years later, several years later, a case series coming out. Like that's kind of how, in my mind, a lot of science builds, right? And so I think this is just a cool example of how ideas can spread, and we can develop better and better information. And then we have something to, you know, maybe eventually this does become, you know, a comparative study or a prospective or a cohort study or something like that. We, we don't, to my knowledge, have any of that for this. Um, but it's got to start somewhere. And so, you know, you know, big shout out to the people who, you know, did this the first time or at least the first time and then wrote about it. Because right. um, there may have been other people trying it. But if you don't write about it, then how yeah, are yeah. the rest of us going to know? Because right. not everybody's going to just think of that or even just find it when you're scouring through the literature. Right. Um, so yeah, so the first paper is the resolution of persistent pneumothorax by use of the blood purgation in a dog after surgical correct, correction of a diaphragmatic hernia. Um, so what what was going on in this one? Who wants to? Anna, do you want to do this one?
2: Yeah, I can do this one. So this they had a 15 kick dog. I think she was a younger dog um, that was pregnant and had a chronic uh, diaphragmatic hernia mm-hmm. um, and. I think she presented for labor breathing, um, and they did chest X-rays and they saw that she had, you know, fetuses and puppies in her chest. And I think not where they of, belong. Yeah, not not where you <laughs> would expect them to be. Um, so they there was a lot of adhesions in there. Um, they corrected the diaphragmatic the, the hernia. They delivered the puppies um, and they closed everything. But then I don't remember exactly how far out surgery that she developed the um, pneumothorax right the the dyspnea that they i don't remember how it was either yeah um but like maybe a few hours or a day later she yeah. started becoming dyspneic yeah and they did chest x-rays again and saw that she was They're like she oops had a, yeah there's <laughs> yeah. a pneumothorax there yeah um they did not do a ct or anything on mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. um i think for this specific case the owners were already kind of like tight on money yeah so they were like, we're gonna, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, and that's why they... I think. Well, and like the dog said, was
0: doing well, except right. for this persistent for pneumo. Right,
2: right. And, um, was, and they
0: had tried continuous suction, which is usually the first thing you do with these types of things, where you right. say, okay, there's probably some injury. We don't know exactly what happened. Probably something happened at surgery. Right. And if we give it a few days to heal. So they tried that for like four days, four days. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. she was still wasn't days. getting better.
2: Right. Continuous mm-hmm. suction didn't work, four days. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, well, we were running out of options yeah. now. So we need yeah. to to find something that that may work for her yeah uh and that's why um how they probably they did a research like you mentioned before yeah and they found this possible you know um try right, yeah let's Hail let's Mary. see <laughs> if it's gonna work yeah and um yeah they did
0: collected um i think it was so we've been talking th- about what blood is. Perlodeci- should we just maybe make sure we're all on the same page And right, right, so, right. so what is this uh, oh, Matt! She's looking at you like you're well, up. You All right, you guess, give it a yeah. I give it a go. My best educated yeah. guess
1: um, without knowing the actual definition of the word, my best guess would be you're infusing something into there and expecting some kind of outcome out of the thing that you're putting in there. And I know that's like super duper vague, <laughs> but on the spot, that's as best as I can. Okay. Do, oh. Yeah. Well, no, what no, I, no.
0: even just like the practical procedure, have right. you ever, have you ever seen it done?
1: Not yet. I hope have to you? see
2: it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We've done it. Oh, you here. were in that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, essentially what you do is you can, you can, usually you're going to take blood from the patient that, right. that, you know, then everything is compatible. Right. You don't have to, but it does need to be fresh. Uh, non-anticoagulated blood. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, typically, what you're going to do is either have a jugular catheter or, or a you know some a catheter or a port of some kind in the uh, in a large mm-hmm. vein, and you're going to pull blood from that and immediately infuse it into the pleural space. Mm-hmm. Typically via a chest tube, but you could just do like you know a butterfly cat or one time like temporary placement, and you're going to infuse that. But most of the time, if it's a continuous right. pneumothorax, you already have a chest tube in, um, and you're going to infuse the blood um, and then leave it and let it sit um and the thought is that the you know natural products in the blood you know your um, pro-coagulant proteins you'd have some you know there's fibrinogen floating around in there so you get fibrin and could that maybe get to the area of the defect form a clot essentially and and help those tissues heal
2: yeah it's so basically create also inflammation in there and try yep. to, create to, more to fibrin stimulate try more to seal, scar right. tissue yeah. yeah and try to seal whatever the defect is mm-hmm. um and yeah, that's basically what they think that blood clots also may help. They don't know exactly the yeah. mechanism, okay. but it's mainly.
0: So yeah, that's the, for the blood, obviously, if you're putting something other than blood, blood clots aren't right. going to do it. And then you're right. really just counting on like the irritation right. and inflammation. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, but yeah, that's the, the, the,
0: the main goal of the blood produces Yeah. Um, and so technically it's pretty simple, right? right pull blood from the jugular or whatever vein and then put it into the chest tube.
2: Right. And then you can and then people leave it be. let it be, or people like roll the patient around or move around to try to. That always seems kind the, of silly to me. Yeah. Like it's, I, always, I it's always, it's always a Husky.
0: I feel like so, cause that's who gets the spontaneous <laughs> pneumos and he's like, um, okay, good luck with that. Don't yeah. get bitten. Um, <laughs> For like if it was like a little like Chihuahua, I'd be like, yeah, just, you know, rotisserie it. That's fine. But <laughs> yeah. Like, um, but for
2: this one here yeah, I think they did that yeah. and for two hours I don't know how
0: much that helped or not. yeah yeah they said position of the dog was altered left to right, right. lateral every 15 minutes for two hours right ah. right it seems to me I mean again if you're primarily worrying about irritating everything sure if you're wanting any clots to form that doesn't right. actually make a lot of sense to me right right, right but right. I don't know yeah. um
2: well that's you know I think Regardless, you know, the main thing is just infusing yeah. the blood into the pleural space and then giving time and see. Yeah. For for this dog, they did, I guess, only one time mm-hmm. and it's sealed. Yeah, it seemed it to work.
0: Yep. She, you know. And so, you know, again, it's an N of one. You got to be careful of that. Right, but right, the dog right. went four right. days with no improvement over like right. standard care and continuous suction. They did this and then they saw improvement. Now, would the fifth day without this have done it? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But, you know, maybe this made a difference. Right, right which is pretty cool if it did because they couldn't afford to go back to surgery. So it's this or like you give up, you euthanize, you know, the dog couldn't live with a continuous pneumo. And so if surgery is not an option, then you give that a go.
1: I, I guess I can have a follow up question. So maybe if you wanted to kind of increase the likelihood of clots forming sooner rather than later, like potentially relating that to the speed of injection of putting the blood into the chest, right? Like if you were to push it really hard, I know what that do you sounds mean? kinda silly, like kind of trying to create like some kind of turbulent flow to try and increase Oh, I feel
0: tension. like uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't know that it would make a huge difference at that point because you're right. gonna get like the blood's not gonna flow normally. Right. Yeah, right. And, like hopefully. That'd be right. weird. Um it's <laughs> mostly I think what they're mostly probably preventing it like with the f- turning is keeping it from settling all right. in one place. Okay, right. um, that makes sense. To, um, because like, you don't they didn't know where the defect was right. either so if try it's to in a dorsal the lung. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm guessing it's more yeah, you wanna evenly coat the lung surface. Right, right. Um yeah. It's like basting. We're gonna right. go with rotisserie, and then we're gonna bathe. Sorry, <laughs> we well, apologies. Well, it's because I'm always <laughs> hungry. Um, right. So
2: but I can imagine like the pain too, because the pleuritis, the inflammation. I think yeah, it, it, it probably is painful. I they didn't. I don't know. They didn't mention anything about like no. pains or things like that. But I think yeah, do they
0: get like a you know a, a scar like a pleuritis, right? Um, which right. can be painful, right? Um, You know, if that's the trade-off, as long as it's temporary, then it's better than, you know, dying. Oh, totally. If given those choices. So, but it is a, that's a, it's a good point because if you're saying, hey, we're trying to cause irritation and inflammation, then you would assume there'd be some discomfort. Right. Um, But I actually don't, yeah, I don't really think about like, oh, that's probably going to hurt a lot and we should add pain meds. I think it's more just, you know, watch the patient. I mean, usually if they have test tubes in, I assume they're uncomfortable. So they're on pain meds just from that. Right. So it might be that we're already covering it. Right. Maybe. Um, But it's a good point. I hadn't really you know, specifically considered, um, the additional pain it might be causing.
2: Right. Right. Just something to get, like you said, to keep an eye on the patient and see
0: if it shows signs of pain and things like that. Yeah. You have to adjust your plan. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty exciting. We have this case and like success. This is something everybody should do always. Right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I think they, they made a point to be like the preferred you know, right. uh, we would prefer to have gone back in and explored the chest and fix things up. But right. there are times when we can't do that for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's financial, but it's not always financial. Right. Um, right. So then fast forward. Four years, five years,
2: four years, after, four years.
0: Yeah. And at least from the publication dates. And now we have the, the Javma case series, the retrospective case series looking at the same procedure for persistent pneumothorax in eight dogs. So now we have a case series. So we're moving up from a case report to a case series. And again, each, each level up you go, right? This is a little bit more information. So, um, okay. Who talked about the last one? Okay. So Anna, you outlined the last one. Matt, you feel up for kind of giving us the,
1: the overview of... Yeah. K series? yeah, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, so it seems like they took um, eight different dogs with various kind of ch- pleural space or chest disease, um, such as like bronchitis. One of them ended up having emphysema and various other cases mm-hmm. um, and drawing about five to 10 percent of the body weight of blood um, and infusing that in as soon as possible. And then trying to follow these dogs to see approximately how long um, they were in clinical resolution of the pneumothorax um, I think from what I remember, one of the interesting things is one of them went about like, there's an extended period of time. I think it was like a couple months. about Yeah, about two months that one of these dogs didn't have pneumothorax recur. Um, and then they had to either do it again or that dog did not do very well. I can't remember. I might be. Oh, I can't remember
0: if that was up. the one they considered. It. I think that was one of the ones they considered, quote unquote, successful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I think this was the, a little issue
0: with. Yeah. He was the 16 year old, I think, pointer yeah.
2: dog that. Yeah we occurred two months after the first infusion and then they did it again. And then the the dog was okay for
0: like 10 more months. Yeah. Right. So it's like semi successful.
2: Right. right. Yeah. Well, but the dog was it's already 16 years old. <laughs> 17.
0: Wow. 17. <laughs> You're saying they should have given up on it. No. <laughs> no. What I, I don't know. What I meant was like, if it was mine. Right. Be like doing a Oh, for sure. No, With getting an extra, extra 10 year. months is pretty great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just keeping in mind, like in that dog, this was like a, Temporary right, fix, right, right. right? This was a kind of a literal band aid, right, right, right? Like, in that it's sense, true. like it's a yeah. literal band aid, <laughs> exactly. Um, it, you know, maybe not band aid brand, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, like we we're just putting a covering over this and buying time, right? Um, right. you know, for the underlying tissues, or it's possible it was a different thing, like it was, you know, a new problem each time, too, right? That right. we don't really know that, right? Um, right. But uh yeah, and what
2: I think is from out of this eight dogs, the only one there was one of them was the the chronic bronchitis that you uh um, mentioned, Matt, that didn't it developed pneumonia and this was the one that did not respond well. Yeah. Three days procedure. after the blood patch they right. ended up euthanizing. Right. On. Right. Because yeah. he just got worse. So And then they
0: had variable follow-up for the rest of them. So right. one um yeah eight months one year four months uh the other one 13 13 months uh, after the first blood patch it died i don't remember if that one was for the same disease yeah that one was the same disease and i think probably the owners were like "Mm, we're good yeah um but that could have been again the Was that a recurrence of the old disease or a new problem? Because that one did have um, Ebola's. Right. And then, yeah, uh, two months and then almost three months. So Mm kind of all over the place. This was retrospective. So you get, you know, up until you have. Right. Um, But, uh, yeah, they reported in general pretty good success. Now, what are the problems with this study?
2: Yeah, it's a very low number.
0: Like it's a small number. Yeah, it's a case series, so yeah,
2: case series. So eight eight dogs is not a large, in uh, number for us to to, to actually see, um, and it was a retrospective study too. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. We definitely need to have more if we could have a perspective, but it's a hard. Um,
0: yeah. The, the other what other issues. Do you guys see with this one? Again, not that they they didn't do a good job. Like, these are kind of issues inherent with uh, a retrospective case series. But what other kind of problems do we run into with drawing conclusions from this?
1: Uh, I don't know. I I think kind of the success, I I don't necessarily think that we can attribute the pleurodesis 100%. Yeah, that's one. We don't know
0: for sure that this was the reason they got better. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also argue, like, We had one, two, three, four, five, six different diseases represented here. Right, so um, penetrating bite wounds, trauma, Um, unknown, bullous emphysematous disease. They had two of those. uh, Possible grass on migration. Uh, so we had two traumas and a chronic bronchitis, um, maybe bulla. So like, you know, so it's not, you can say, oh, they did well if they had this disease and not if they had that disease, um, you know, or how do we characterize the severity or what type, you know, that's where we start. That's the next level. Right? right. Um, so again, this is the next thing after a case report is a case series. So they're saying here's multiple instances where this is potentially something you can use. Um, and we had, um, you know, what we observed as being success, um, at least in some of them, and so other things to consider. Now, the other thing to note um, of this, which is different and but important to note, because if all you had was this case report, you'd be like, Woohoo, it worked, and everything's great." Um, and then if you did it and it didn't work, you'd be like, uh, "Give up, this is the worst thing ever." So one thing is that you had um, multiple sessions in a number of these patients, right? right so right. in I think half of them, uh, the half dogs, them was- you know, improved after right. one session. Right. But the rest um, needed.
2: At least one more.
0: Yeah, and so, but, but that's all over the place too, right? So one of them it had two sessions two days apart. Mm-hmm. One of them had three sessions over four days, and then had another one a year later. That was right. the sixteen-year-old dog. Yeah. Um. You know, one of them had two that were just one day apart, and then another one had two that were thirty days apart. There's no pattern there. No, at no. all. No, because, at all. Because the disease process is
2: yeah. different, so that we yeah. it's hard to to follow up or to. Yeah. to to predict. Yeah.
0: And I, you know, the other thing I is a little bit hard, you gotta be careful with is like the, the dog number eight, it had two sessions. 30 days apart, but the overall follow-up was only out to 80 days. And we know some of it, like what happened at, you know, 90 days, a hundred days, you know, you know, a year, like, did it, did it come back? And that was another one with bullous emphysematous disease. Um, and so one where I would be worried about, you know, either recurrence because that's not normal tissue, right? Like if you're spontaneously having a rupture of part of your lung, that's not normal. And so that's not normal tissue. And so I, you know, it's hard to expect that it's going to heal normally, um, so, you know, so what do you do? Like, when do you recommend this? When do you, when would you not recommend this? Like what, what's your conversation? You have an animal that comes in with a pneumothorax.
1: I don't necessarily think I would recommend it for every single case. Mm-hmm. I think cases that I would think it might be indicated is if surgery's out of the question, like maybe the dog's not a good candidate, uh, anesthetically, surgically finances come into play, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of often the case, right? Um, And potentially, like, if they have some kind of coagulopathy, I know that might make surgery kind of contraindicated, but I wouldn't want to put, like, a central line in this dog to draw blood off of it. Yeah, I wouldn't
0: worry about the central line, but I'd also be like, "Uh, um, do I want to put... Surgery. Well, and if it's, like, why is it having uh, coagulopathy, too? Like, is that going to reduce the effectiveness of this treatment because we're missing, for whatever reason, you know, the bits and pieces that are in the blood that are supposed to help. Right. Um, So I would be, yeah, I'd be caught. That's a good point. Like, uh, yeah a coagulopathic animal. I'd be like, "Mm, maybe maybe we should sort that out first. Um, bigger fish to fry right now. Um, okay. So I think we all agree that this is not our first choice. Right. Right. Like definitively, like we should probably go in and fix the problem. Like most of these animals ideally would have surgery. Um, and, but if that's not possible, this is something we can try.
2: Right. And that's now, exactly yeah, yeah. the reason why I wanted to talk about this, just to, to yeah. see there's an option if you have, if you cannot do the standard uh, procedures that we usually do. Yeah. You know.
0: Now I'm going to throw a wrench in that a little bit because mm. that's what I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. So everybody has to think about, okay, in their hospital, I have a dog who has a spontaneous pneumothorax and bilateral chest tubes in. Okay. And it's not getting better. And so I'm like, you know, I, I don't know how long we've given it to get better, but we're like, we're, or we're just debating between surgery and, um, and and doing, you know, giving it time or doing a blood patch. And we're having a conversation with the owners and cost comes up. Okay. So we have a dog that's, we've done the blood patch per which in and of itself is not particularly expensive. The dog provides its own blood. It's a procedure. So maybe, maybe you spend a couple hundred bucks on that. Okay, but now you have a dog that's in the hospital. Are you sending it home that same day? Probably not. Nope. Right? And like, look at how many of these in this case series, like they were in the hospital for multiple days with chest tubes in. That's expensive. Right. Right? like That that starts to get expensive. And so one of the issues I've had, like one of the cases that we've done that with here is the owners were trying to like avoid having to do surgery primarily for finances. So we tried this twice. It failed twice. And then they took it to surgery. So in total, that was longer time in the hospital for the dog and more expensive. So I think what we have to be um, a little bit careful with is the conversations we have with clients is you should do this. Like surgery is the right option. If that is absolutely off the table, like what you said, Matt, like it's off the table. That's not an option. We can try this. It's not necessarily a money saving option though. Like I can make it cheaper, Um, but it ends up like, if people are like, Ooh, I want to try the cheaper option. No, you're going to spend more in the long run. Right. And, and this one's like, we don't know if it's going to work versus the other one is like pretty good chance it's going to work. And so, um, I think we just need to be very careful that we save this, for like, I, I wouldn't even present it to a client initially. I'd be right. like, we recommend, this is the best thing we can do. Gold, um, gold standard is take your dog for surgery, for an explorer to, you know, find the foreign body, close up the defect, remove the part of the lung, that's not, whatever it happens to be. If they're like, yeah, that's not on the table. And we're talking about potentially euthanizing the oh. animal. Then we go, okay. Here's another option that we can consider. I cannot guarantee this is going to work. Um it's still not going to be cheap per se. Overall it would be cheaper. Um but yeah, that's the the issue that I've run into occasionally with people they're like, "Oh, let's try this first. And I'm like, "No. Wow. Let's wow. like that should not be plan A." Right. Plan A shouldn't be let's eventually see again. i going to plan plan A. <laughs> right. Um
2: right, and that's exactly the reason um why cuz you know, like you said, we offer Go standard first yeah. surgery yeah usually surgeons want the ct and see what's in yeah. there and we've then, talked about that here right wrong and that's, about the, that one. that's the thing that's the thing <laughs> just you know do a medium surrounding and explore and um but if the, the owner said no Absolutely i cannot not. do that yeah. i'm gonna euthanize then they are like yeah. okay
0: and we know clients change their minds you right, know right, so they right. say that and then you try this and then it failed and or maybe they you know then the gofundme comes through or whatever right, right. but and then so that could be another thing right like okay you know, we're trying to gather the funds or, you know, whatever's going on or it's coming up on a weekend or you can't find a surgeon to to explore the dog. And so while we're trying to sort this out, we might as well try this in the meantime. Uh-huh. But then I would also warn the owners like, hey, this could come back in like a month or a week, um, a year. Was, yeah. Like we haven't. F- fixed the problem right so if we can buy some time and you can start you know putting some extra you know money into the piggy bank maybe stop drinking your coffees whatever i don't know save some money because there's a decent chance this could come back and rear its head and then at that point we should really try to do surgery that that's kind of how i would approach it like this needs to be seen as a salvage as a as a last resort or as a as a stopgap you right, know, buying right. some time, exactly. which I think seems that's more reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, not as a replacement for surgery. Right. Like we need to be very clear with folks like, Oh, Hey, yeah, here's an alternative. You're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's um, just, that uh, implies being they're the, equal.
2: Yeah. And that's <laughs> the thing that, yeah, always being very clear with the owner and saying, yeah. you know,
0: and maybe you and get lucky. Fix. Maybe you get lucky. You do it once and everything gets fixed right up and cool. Like, you know, buy a lottery ticket too while you're at it, but right. it is about getting lucky. Um, so, until, you know, until more research can be done, which kind of study like this would be really hard to do. Let's be honest. Um, because one, you're already selecting like ideally, no, I'm not going to say Matt, you're going to say what, if you were going to design a study to answer the question, uh, about blood patch pleurodesis, what would you, what would you do?
1: I, that's a, that's a good question. I just feel like there's so many variables I would want to try and figure out in the study, like mm-hmm. trying to predict the likelihood of how, if it's going to work and if it works, trying to get some kind of duration of how long the resolution will be. And mm-hmm. if that changes among certain types of diseases like bronchitis or like a grass on or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for the ones that it does work, I guess, overall survival time, median mm-hmm. survival time. Um, which. I don't even know how I would go about being like, you know, 60 days after 100 days after a year after some of the some other studies have been reading recently, they say, oh, they've been doing great 60 days post. And it's like, but why did you choose 60 days post? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: usually arbitrary. Like we just chose this 60 days. It's like, all right, after two months, we're all feeling and it depends on the disease you're talking about. I think with something like this, you'd have to make the argument that that's not enough because we already have a case series that says, Um, past 60 days you're you don't you're not guaranteed that everything is okay um you know what are your thoughts Vig, if you were gonna again no no limitations you just want to design a study to answer the question about when we should use a blood patch i think when we should do surgery
2: yeah i think it depends on the cause of the pneumothorax i think this right so step one is we have to pick
0: one disease to start with because if we're gonna go
2: all over the place then that's too many confounders yeah that's That's not gonna tell so us. Yeah. So yeah, step one
0: is pick one right. cause of pneumothorax. Right. Is it spontaneous? Mm-hmm. You've gotta get all the huskies? Is there a Ebola? The- yep, exactly. Right. Yep. Let's yep. get
2: all the huskies and spontaneous pneumothorax and yep. let's focus on these. Yep. And see, you know, are we gonna re- recommend we're gonna have two Um, it's going to be hard to get a good number. Are we going to have one group that's going to go to surgery and do? Yeah, that's the right way to do it, right? It's going to be
0: a randomized controlled. So you're going to say, okay, you know, the next 50 dogs that come in with spontaneous pneumothorax and are found to have a bulla or are, you know, we don't identify a specific underlying cause and then they're going to go for explore and then they get randomized. You're either going to go for blood patch and maybe up to two times or right. you're going to go right for surgery, surgery? Yeah. and then we're going to see um what and the then you know if after the two blood patches you fail then you get the surgery right right, right. and all this would probably need to be paid for by the researchers because yeah, otherwise but just, you're having to put yeah that's a super expensive study right. Um, but you need to make sure that they all have the option. Otherwise you, if you do an observational study, which you can also do, you're now selecting for the patients whose, um, clients couldn't afford surgery. And so that introduces some additional confounders that can, um, can throw things off, but you, you could do it that way. Um, you know, it's a little bit, again, it, it adds some some extra layers that make it harder to interpret, but you could go that route right. um, and then say, okay, what percentage of, you know, of the animals that had with this specific disease, this very precise protocol, we do it the same way every time, blah, blah, blah. And you know, what was, what was the outcome? Right. There's another option for a study. What other, what else could we do? It'd be hard to get approval. People wouldn't like it, but. I don't. Yeah, we we have a guest student in the background who's miming something at me. I don't actually. You can say say it, Liz. Yeah, so we could we could get re, you know purpose-bred research beagles. Uh, well, it doesn't have to be beagles but research dogs. and you can create a pneumothorax in half of them and and then you can randomize them that way. So it's not client-owned animals, it's all under controlled circumstances. One of the advantages of doing that is then you can go back in and like get tissue after the fact to see right. like, okay, let's look histopathologically. what do these tissues look like? You wouldn't necessarily have to sacrifice the animals to do that, but it is another procedure to get biopsies, but you could go, Oh, we're going to go back in and do, um, you know, thorac, uh, thoracoscopy and we're going to look and see what the tissue. I mean, there's lots of things you could do in a study like that, where you had, you know, small numbers, but you have, you know, very controlled circumstances. Now, does that translate to the spontaneous ones that cause, but it would give us, you know, a lot of good information. Um, I think this is an infrequent enough problem that it's going to be hard um, to, to find somebody to fund a study because either of those are going to be very expensive. Um, So it, and because we have a a procedure that is pretty reliably working, um, it just happens to be expensive. I mean, it's always cool to find something cheaper that works though. Oh yeah. yeah, That would be great. You know, but you got to spend money to save people money. (laughs) Right. Right. That's always harder. Um, So yeah. What else, what other thoughts do you guys have?
1: Um, I was just curious as to you know since it's basically autologous, um, mm-hmm. trying to potentially see what might happen if we get blood, fresh blood from a donor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that might cause more irritation and inflammation because right. you have a bunch of foreign antibodies in yep. there. Maybe it would right. work better. Yeah. Now it would still have to be fresh blood, right? right so right. you couldn't get like a bag of blood from your, right. your blood bank because um, right. that's going to have all the anticoagulants. Although maybe you could. I don't know. Maybe that it's could be a study enough, somebody tried yeah. if you're primarily working on the inflammation, or you know, maybe the other substances. Um, right. You know, I don't. Are, are there veterinary reports of using the other substances that you guys are aware of? I'm not. No, did you find anything? I did not find anything, anything that. So, I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. So maybe, you know, maybe you just try some plasma, some fresh frozen plasma and you and thaw see, that out and it's right. cheaper and, and there's, you know, we usually have more of that than we have blood. Right. Um, so that's potentially, you know, an, an, an option or, yeah, find some other, you know, overall moderately irritating substance and, right. you know, go that route little chemo in there yeah take just just, everything just off a little bit i mean yeah. we do intracavitary chemo right, right for cancer patients so something like that could potentially work it's not absorbed systemically at a super high rate i don't know yeah um, it's just a matter interesting of interesting things to think about
2: yeah because i was thinking about what matt said like if you um take blood from a donor and this let's say this patient uh, you know has had transfusions or i don't know how like, mm-hmm. the reactions like severe reactions i don't know if they could have not to up. I have no idea. I mean, because there's not a
0: ton of, you know, antibodies on your plural right, surface, place, right? Yeah, like so. there shouldn't be. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't think, but I don't know. Right. Um, I mean, but we also give blood directly into the bloodstream of other animals. Right. So, right. yeah. Would you need to cross match them? I have not no sure. idea. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. um, so but like, again, if your back's against the wall, it's something you can consider right. trying. You know, if you're out there and you're like, uh, you know, the animal's already anemic. I don't feel like we can, you know, we can pull more blood from you know this patient to put it even into his own pleural space right now. Right. So let's try something else. I mean yeah. that's that's kind of and then and then write it up as a case report, please. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so that the rest of us can be like, oh, okay, yeah, and that thought works. that's a good idea, or at least in that one situation, it didn't. It wasn't catastrophic, or okay, it was catastrophic. Nobody else ever do that, you right. know. <laughs> like, or if we do, we got to change something, right? Um, so, I mean, we certainly learn from that. Uh, and I would encourage you out there if you've done one of these things and it was catastrophic, publish that too.
2: Yes, we need to like, know
0: that stuff <laughs> is valuable. Yes. Um. So cool. All right. Well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you never, ever get to see this, Matt, because that means all of your patients got to go to surgery, um, which is what we really want for them. But, um, but a little bit of me is like, yeah, but hopefully you get to see and do that one time soon and that it works. I'll, I'll be honest, my personal experience has been mostly disappointed. I've yeah. been disappointed in, in this. Um, so uh, I'm probably doing it wrong. Uh, well, is there, you know, I don't know if these people have the secret. They didn't put it in print, though. I need them to tell me what's the secret. Right. Like, you got to mix a little bit of your own spit in with it. Like, what is it? I don't think it's that. The For magic. the record, I don't think it's that. <laughs> don't try that. Uh, just in case. But, um, Yeah. These were these were good ones. Thank you, Anna. Appreciate you bringing them out. I think thank you to the authors for uh, for sharing what you've done. Again, even though it's not perfect, we don't have all the answers. It's really helpful for people to um, get out there and be like, here's what we tried, and you know, take what you can from that. Don't over, you know, don't take too much from it. Uh, Be careful not to overinterpret what to do with it. But um, some cool ideas out there for when uh, you you know things were were struggling a little bit. We don't know what to do to help our patient out. And uh, yeah. Good job. Keep writing the papers and we'll keep talking about them. Yeah. So, Anna, Matt, thank you so much thank for you. being here fun. today. This was awesome. Thank you, awesome. Thank you well so done. much. it. We'll catch you guys next time.